0: Welcome to another episode of Making Magic with your host, Bradley Morris from Magic Media. This is the go-to show for purpose-driven creators to get inspired with innovative new ideas to produce your educational content, build thriving online communities, and turn your message into a movement. In today's episode, we have Andy Freeland. Uh, I'm really excited to have you here, and I'm excited for what's going to happen. Um, Andy and I, we were the co-creators of The Great E-Course Adventure, The Art of Binge-Worthy Courses. And um, five years ago, we just reimagined what the online education experience could be like due to our dissatisfaction with the status quo of how courses were being delivered and how students were not getting results in the courses that they're going through. And so, We wanted to take everything that we were witnessing and how people consumed information uh, through online learning via videos and how people use social media and gamification, all these different mediums, and we wanted to bring it together. And we have been friends for, God, since my honeymoon in 2012, and uh, started working together shortly after that around 2013, and we have remain friends and allies and uh, we're even working with Andy right now in his new brand development uh, and messaging process that I'm sure he's going to talk about today uh, for Magic Media just doing a big brand makeover right now because uh, we've come a long way in the last year and a half since we did our last uh, brand upgrade. So today is it's gonna be a workshop For you, I'm going to basically pass it over to Andy in a second and he's going to facilitate the process for you. So I encourage you to have pen and paper handy. Uh, I encourage you to shut down your Facebook, your Instagram, your email, all of the distractions that would prevent you from being fully present with what we're doing here and now so that you can get the most out of this experience. Andy, uh, he treats business and design like an art form as it should be. And the perspectives that he's gonna to share today are gonna to be unique and different compared to what uh, what you see. I Having gone been working with him for the last month on his messaging process, um, he treats it more like a hero's journey than a business development course. And so I think this is gonna be a lot of fun for you. And uh, if so, I encourage you to explore how you can work deeper with Andy and uh, take advantage of the genius that he has available for you. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to pass it over to Andy. Andy, thanks for being here, for giving of your time and your wisdom. Uh, I'm really grateful that you're, you're opening up your body of work that you've been developing over the last couple of years for all of us to, to experience. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for making this happen, Brad.
1: Well, welcome, everybody. Thanks for showing up. Um, it's an honor to be here and to share some things that I've learned over the years. Um, so the title of the workshop today is uh, Principles of Presence. So we're going to be covering five sort of key principles that I have discovered over my decade plus of experience in brand and web design. and. Um, these are going to be very high-level concepts. Um, we're not going to be really getting into the weeds as to like you know the the technical or tactical how to do X Y Z type stuff. It's more going to be the really top-level strategic perspectives that we need in order to develop what I would call a powerful presence online and to have control over that presence and to make our presence work for us rather than for somebody else. Um, So uh, before we get into it, I just want to give a little quick background as to where I'm coming from and um, what I do in the world. Um, As Brad shared, um, uh, I co-created the Grady Course Adventure alongside Bradley, uh, which was an amazing, creative, enlightening process. Um, That really set me on my current course, so to speak. Um, and it really opened me up to the possibilities that we have with um, using online media as a creative outlet. So I actually, I'm not sure if any of you were around in the good old days, um, but this is the platform that I built for the first Grady Course Adventure before um, before everything got moved over to Mighty Networks. And um, I just, I love building platforms, um, platforms for putting our content, for expressing, for facilitating, for learning. Um, And I really believe that there's just so much potential uh, that we have with the internet. And um, so today is going to be really about how do we uh, amplify and maximize the potential um, and effectiveness that we can have with our platforms. So... uh, In the time of uh, creating the Grady Course Adventure, another project that I was working on that was another big passion project was something called Audio Alchemy. And this was, um, started out as a series of retreats um, in Hawaii. And I I worked with a a successful touring musician and we basically developed a a system um, of, producing music really kind of created a, a very formalized structure uh, by turning my, my uh, business partner's creative process into a formal system in a very, in a very much similar way to what we did with, um, with the Grady Course Adventure, but just through the lens of, of uh, creating music. And so in 2018, uh, we hosted our, it was like our fifth retreat in Hawaii. This is the, the venue. And we had an amazing, amazing turnout. We had 70 people come from all over the world for this retreat. And um, it was a two week long retreat. And as fate would have it on day two of the retreat, uh, this happened (laughs) like right next door, volcano erupted, uh, right next to where we were living in Hawaii. And um, some of the people in the retreat actually lived locally and they had to go like evacuate their houses, which Uh, within the next couple weeks many of those houses were were consumed by lava but anyways through this retreat we actually um all experienced this intense volcano eruption Uh, i had to evacuate my house and um during the retreat and we also had to evacuate the retreat mid-retreat and we actually were able to see it through to the end it was an incredibly life-changing experience um Here's the nighttime sky at the retreat center. It was absolutely wild. And here's some of our our group. So because I had to evacuate my house, this led to us moving off of Hawaii, which we had lived there for about eight years, uh, my wife and I. And we ended up journeying across the whole entire planet. Basically, we road tripped across the USA and eventually landed where I am now in Asheville, North Carolina. And so that was like a huge um a bit of a hero's journey in a way for me and it was kind of this moment of like what i call like crossing the abyss and through that process it really i had the time to really rethink how i wanted to show up to my work i mean my my main focus and and uh, bread and butter so to speak has been doing brand strategy and web design for clients over the last well, it's been over about 10 years now and um so through this whole transformative process it, i realized and kind of started to admit to myself that I wanted to start changing my relationship to that side of the work and I wanted to figure out how I can work with people um, at scale and more of a facilitation role and um, that has kind of led me to where I'm currently at now and starting to formulate every all of my knowledge and my body of work into templates and systems and processes and um, to help other creators Uh, create powerful platforms and brands without um, me needing to be my own bottleneck, right? And being able to only work with like one client at a time or something like that. So this workshop here is kind of the, one of the first seeds of me sharing this knowledge and um, helping facilitate and um, uh, helping you uh, build more uh, powerful web presence. So, what exactly are we going to learn today? Um, what we're going to learn today is really, it's, it's, a, it's the t- uh, from a really high level, it's about how to stand out, how to um, do the work that you are here to do in a more effective way. Um, and it, again, I call this principles of presence, which is just, you know, if you think about what your presence is, it's how you show up. And so your online presence is, is kind of how you show up and how you exist on the internet. Um, for a lot of people, that means something like Facebook, or maybe you have a blog or something like that. Um, so we're going to be covering five key principles that I have been um, developing and that I've found to be extremely important. And my guess is that you may have heard of one or two of these and some of the other ones you may not have considered before. And my, my goal, my intention with this session is to, again, I'm not here to t- tell you um, how to design or something like that, but more like how to think about design, how to think about your web presence. I am a little bit. How to think about uh, your web presence, because I believe that when we when we change our mind about something, that's when we can change our life. And so for me, the goal is if if you have an aha moment or maybe a subtle shift in how you approach all of this online business stuff, then uh, then I my job is uh, a job well done, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. So we'll start at the top, um, and the first. Uh, Pres- the first principle here is clarity. Number one thing, we need to have clarity, right? We need to be extremely, extremely clear. Um, another thing, uh, the second one, that we're gonna cover is potency. Another one that we're gonna be covering is autonomy. And I'm gonna, we're gonna be going into the nitty gritty of what each of these things mean. Um, Number four is syndication, It's probably a new word for some of you. And number five is decentralization. And I know I'm sure that everybody's heard that word, but we're not going to be talking about Bitcoin. (laughs) This isn't about Bitcoin or the blockchain. So Uh, But we're going to be talking about some how decentralization plays a role into you building your brand. And it does play a big role. So really what this is all about, and and kind of the core message here that I want to get across, which will become more apparent is that all of this comes down to freedom and autonomy. And as a content creator, as, as a brand, if you don't control your presence, then who does, right? So we're gonna be talking about exactly how we can come, basically be more empowered with how we show up, with how we um, exist on the internet. So let's get into it and we're gonna learn some things. So we'll start with clarity. What is clarity? I mean, it's pretty simple. It's, it's our ability to be clear, to, um, you know, if, if we are not clear, if we put out a piece of content and it's not clear what that thing is about, then it's not gonna land for people, right? Same thing with our, our presence as a whole. It's when we're not clear with our presence, then it's people struggle to understand us, right? Um, now, the way to get clarity on our presence um, in my opinion, the way I always start, whenever I, whenever I start any sort of um, creative project, whether it's for myself or a client, it always starts with strategy. And for a lot of us, this is generally what our strategy looks like, uh, especially when we don't have a strategy. Uh, we, st- we set out to do a thing and lots of things happen and we make mistakes and, and we figure it out as we go. And eventually we get to where we're going. Hopefully, um, but there is a smarter way, and so strategy is a key key component. And um, that's why when I when people ask me what I do, you know, I used to say, "Oh, I'm a web designer, blah blah,", blah. and now now number one thing I am is a, a strategist, brand strategist, platform strategist, whatever. It's it's everything comes back to strategy, which is the approach it's it's like how we show up to the work and giving a reason behind every action right it's like when we put out a piece of content without a strategy it's just a piece of content but with a strategy it's a it's a um it's a part of a a larger plan a larger process right it's kind of like playing chess or something you know it's a the the whole goal of strategy is to play smart and strategy leads to clarity in our business without strategy um, it's hard to have clarity because we don't really know what we're doing at a deep level so the way that i kind of approach this is I, i break this whole thing down into like four parts at least in the way that i develop platforms and develop brands and the first phase of any project it always starts with just pure strategy before we create anything we want to understand why we're creating something right and how that how how creating something fits within the larger context of what we're doing okay once we have a strategy down then we can start building you know whether it's our our identity or our website um you know our messaging all of that kind of stuff comes second And then once we have our identity, our aesthetic, our sort of content, so to speak, then we need a place to house that content, which is that third phase where we develop the platform. And then lastly, there's a fourth phase, which has to do with networks. And we're gonna be talking a bit more about the importance of networks within this, but uh, Magic Media, uh, the Mighty Networks, that's, that's a network, right? A place where we can gather people and gather content um to make things more uh, discoverable so anyways i use this analogy of a a seed right and sort of growing things Uh, because to me a strategy is like a seed right we we define the quote like i call it like the dna of your brand or your platform which is kind of like um, you know in in life dna has the instructions for how something should grow It's not the actual growth itself, but it it says like, you know, if you plant this seed, this seed is kind of engineered in such a way that it's going to grow into a certain thing. So the strategy that we create dictates the overall trajectory that we're going to go. So we want to plant that seed and then we just, that's how we nourish From that point, you know, we just need to water it and kind of help it grow, but with the right strategy in place, with the right clarity in place, then getting the results that we want is a lot more likely. And we kind of know where where we're headed ultimately. So I'm gonna break down how I approach strategy. Um, And again, this is the seed, it's like the core of what we do. And that core piece has four basic components, okay? Four components is vision, essence, audience, and action. So we'll start with um, with vision, which is, you know, simply enough, it's just where we're going. Like, your vision is really what you want out of the whole deal. Like, like it's answering the question, why am I even in business? Like, why am I even making content. Why am I wanting to make a brand? What am I actually trying to get out of this? So we could say vision, it could also be your intention. It's um, what is your goal, right? What's your MO? Without a vision, it's it's. I heard a really good uh, analogy that's like, imagine going to an airport and going to the ticket kiosk and just being like, hey, I wanna go somewhere really nice. And then she's like, uh, okay like, can you be more specific? Oh, I don't know. Like nowhere in particular, just, just somewhere nice. And it's like, it's hard to, you know, you're going to get nowhere fast if you just want to go somewhere nice. And the thing is, is that for a lot of us, when we're, when, when it comes to vision and developing vision and knowing what we want, we're kind of vague, like the person that goes to the airport asking to go somewhere nice, rather than saying, you know, Take me to the Caribbean or whatever it is. So, you know, it's, it just goes to show that if we don't define what we want and what we're ultimately working toward, then how can we expect to get there. (laughs) Right. Um, It's a lot better to define where we want to go and maybe miss a little bit than to just not define it and and then never really get anywhere right or just kind of haphazardly kind of stumble forward. Um, So once we define what the vision is, where we're actually going, what our trajectory is, then we need to actually take action to get there. We need to build stuff. We need to do things. We need to meet that intention with action. Um, So the thing about action is that it doesn't have to be a very strenuous process you know a lot of times business building um can feel like this can feel like it's just a a, a constant struggle or that we have to like quote hustle right and then it's going to be this like big energetic kind of thing right um but i don't think that it has to be that way and I think a lot of that has to do with how we show up to the work and how we how we are framing the work. And another thing that I noticed too is that when I have a clear vision that excites me and that um, gives me energy and that's attuned and aligned to like my heart's desire, suddenly this sort of, I don't show up to the work like this. I don't strain, right? Whereas if I don't really see clearly like how it fits into my life, then doing something that's challenging can really quickly feel this way. Um, But when I know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, then it's a lot easier to approach my work like play. And I think that's the goal here is that we need to figure out a way to show up to our work, to building our platform, to building our brand, creating content to show up in a way that it is playful and that we can tap into those deeper reserves of energy and joy that's going to fuel the work and actually make the work even better. Because I've noticed that when I am playful with my work and I'm, and I'm authentically, honestly loving the process, the quality of the work is better. People like it more. It's more resonant, okay? And so when we're, when we're in a state of play with our work and with the actions that we need to take in order to move, our, move towards our vision, um, then we can kind of catch the tailwind and like coast through, right? We, we develop momentum and everything that we create kind of compounds onto our pile of uh, momentum and creation. And our, our relationship to the work changes and it shifts. So again, we need to have vision, we need to know where we're going, and we also need to take consistent action and connecting those things together is key. We wanna, we wanna be able to see how every step that we take is getting us towards our vision without that in place, then it's really easy to get burned out. And that's the last thing that I want for any of us. So we've got vision, we've got action. Now, the next two things are having to do with not necessarily where we're going or how we're gonna get there, but, but the quality of how we move forward, right? And, and that starts with essence. It's about understanding who you are, right? Having self-awareness. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about self-awareness and that he believes self, self-awareness self is kind of the, the crux between whether you're successful or not, because if we're not aware of who we are and what makes us tick and how we want to show up in the world um, and sort of what our style is, so to speak, then... It's really hard to to be excited and to, to create a sense of um, authenticity in, in what we do and how we show up. So our essence is really broken up into quite a few kind of subcategories. And when I when I facilitate strategy, we generally figure out six distinct categories to define what our essence is. Um, no, the number one thing is like your culture, right? Or your aesthetic. We also want to define things such as who your audience is, um, what your voice is, what your sort of uh, um, X factor, the thing that makes you unique. Um, there's other things too, and we don't really need to go into those nitty gritties because um, I'm going to be cr- cr- creating an entire workshop that, that focuses purely on strategy. But the main things that I want to point out is that your essence and what what sort of makes you you and when we bring that to the work again it it contributes to the play factor because when we're actually interested in what we're doing and what we're talking about then that carries through the work and when somebody's interested you know when you can tell if a writer actually cares about what they're writing about or if they're just writing about something because they think they should because you might care and I think that's the wrong way to go about it. You know, there's there's enough of that. And what we need is more people that actually are interested in what they're talking about, what they're writing about. Um so understanding who what you're actually interested in is a very in, important aspect of defining your strategy and defining your essence of your of your brand. Um your values, right? What 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 you find important in life principles values um big ideas are super important and for me personally i mean these are like the bedrock of what i do also is like your you know your skill like defining what you're actually really good at and in what areas you can create big value for for other people for other businesses etc um Uh, talents as well right it's like anything that you're naturally good at we want to weave into the mix um you know another thing that's really crucial about essence is again it's like we want to define who we are and we want to show up to the work like with authenticity with reality it's like We need to be fully invested in such a way where that when somebody reads your content, takes your course, whatever it might be, that they, if they feel a sense that you're being real with them and not like hiding something or that the whole thing is like an ulterior motive to, you know, squeeze money out of you, there's an inherent respect that gets built there. And um, I feel like that just with in our, in the current, uh, environment of social media and um, and everything like authenticity and realness is is in demand let's just put it that way Um, so the last thing about your essence is really just understanding like what is your wiring what is your psychological wiring like what um, what you know are you an introvert or an extrovert if you're an introvert and you don't, if you're like not extroverted at all and people freak you out, like you probably, it's probably not a wise idea to like invest a lot of energy, like public speaking or something. If that's just like not your realm. Whereas like when you're behind the, the keyboard, you can like write uh, prolifically. So, if you understand that, oh, I'm introverted, I'm really good at writing, I enjoy writing, then you know it's I really believe in doubling down on what comes naturally rather than fighting against the current and doing things because we've seen them work for other people or someone said that you should do them or whatever. So understanding what comes naturally and what and you know what you're sort of naturally wired for is crucial, and a really good way to actually discover uh, what naturally comes for you is to look back and consider like what were you interested in when you were seven years old? What what were you excited about when you were seven? Right. Um and I think you'll be surprised to find that like all of that is more relevant than we realize. I just asked my mom the other day about this question because I, I was kind of like a little foggy about what I was really interested in when I was seven. And she was like, oh, that's easy. You were into music, <laughs> like you were into, you would always want to know how things work. Like, so when I, I would play the piano and then I would like peek in the piano and look at how all the little like levers and stuff work. And she, and she also said that you were, I would read all the time. And I mean, I've read like over 30 or 40 books this year already uh, and I, I love music and I love knowing how things work and she goes, Oh, and you used to build things like you, you just built things all the time, whether it was Legos or like, you know, you learn how to use a hammer and a nail when you were like four years old. And that's exactly, it has completely translated to my current reality because I love building websites. I love building platforms. I didn't quite understand where that came from, but then I'm like, Oh, it's just Legos for (laughs) grownups. Right. Um, so the, the, just understanding the self, know thyself is super crucial and that's a key component of, of strategy. So it, you know, if you're a personal brand, it's just you expressing yourself. It's the same thing uh, you know, when we're talking about a corporate brand or like you know, a brand that's not just one person, but all brands have an identity and that's kind of a, a um, com- combination of all the people involved. Um, also i just want to point out too i, I see that there's some comments uh, i'm gonna not read them until the end just to stay fluid and on track and at the end we'll like do a q a sesh so feel free to like ask away as we cruise along but uh, I'm, I'm not going to read them until the end okay so that's essence the last the fourth part about strategy that we need to understand is audience which is kind of the flip side to essence right so if essence is who we are, our audience is who we're talking to. It's about who we're taking along on the journey. I love to look at, um, at strategy as, again, these these four quadrants of vision, action, audience, and essence. The vision and action work together because our vision is where we're headed and our action is how we get there. In the same way that our essence and our audience work together because it's who I am and who they are. We're both going towards this vision together and taking the audience along for the ride. So oftentimes one of the one of the uh, big mistakes that people make, and I've made this more times than I can count, more times than I care to admit, is to be speaking to an audience and not know who you're speaking to. Like, do any of you feel like when you're writing a blog post or you're, you know, Considering like who your audience is, that you have this sort of like foggy, vague idea of like, oh yeah, I know who they are, but if you try to narrow in and get specific on an individual, it 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 really loses its form. And so, and for the longest time, I would always do that, where I'd be like, oh, my audience is creators, or my audience is um, you know, musicians, which is just kind of a catch-all bucket, but I haven't. that point really gotten specific on like well who who is this person right what's their name you know where they grow up that kind of a thing so i always start with instead of the crowd we start with the individual and we define one person just one to begin with um that's sort of like the poster child of your audience right now a lot a lot of times there's multiple different possibilities, but getting one person specific and clear is going to be a lot more useful and effective than not getting clear at all and just keeping it vague. Um, So when it comes, you know, if I was to create a, a, uh, so when we, when we define our audience, we create what's called an audience profile or persona, which covers basic info like demographics. So we want to, you know, if I was to create a persona about this person I would actually give her a name like Jennifer Cool Cat or something because she looks pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and I would even define like a, an archetype. So I'd be like, okay, she looks like she's the, um, you know, the, the the cool creator or something like that. So we'd give it like the archetype name that's kind of the catch all. Um, To create that sense of like, okay, there's other people like her, but in her specific case, we would give her a name, we would define like, okay, she's, you know, in her late 20s, or actually more specifically, she's 29 years old, she lives in San Francisco or Portland or something like that. And and then we would actually go and like, lay out what's her life story? Where's she coming from? Where's she at now? What are her challenges? Like, she's a real person, even though we're just making her up. Okay. And we define her challenges, what's standing in the way of her getting to where she wants to go, and what can we do to help her get there, right? So by understanding all these things about her as an individual, that empowers us to understand how can we help other people just like her. Because the truth is, is that even though it feels like it's getting too specific when we like narrow in on one person, when we zoom back out that one person becomes sort of the blueprint and you start to realize how many other of your audience members are just like her, even though they have different stories, different tales, but the the fundamental challenges are oftentimes the same, right? So we're not gonna get into the nitty gritty of how to create a audience profile. I mean, that's a whole workshop in itself, which is to come. But the main thing that I wanna impart here is if that we need to know the audience right so i like to think about essence and audiences like know thyself and know thy audience fundamental principle um okay so that basically covers the 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 essence of strategy right know where you're going know how you're going to get there know who you are know who know who your audience is know who's going with you okay once you have clarity on those all those four things that's a sound strategy. That's, you have something to work with. And the unfortunate reality is, even though it's, it, those four things are quite simple, most of us just don't do the work to figure them out. And that ends up costing us a lot more work and struggle in the long run, because we make mistakes that we could have avoided if we would have just got clear to begin with. So once we understand these this core, then the next thing is really about identifying our messaging right and this again the sort of the bigger topic that we're focusing on here is clarity right this is all about achieving clarity so once we are clear on our strategy we need to be clear on our message right and so our message is it's really just like what do you have to say like what what are you actually saying right if you're a writer or you know i mean as far as i'm concerned um if you're online, like you're, you are a media company, whether it's accidental or on purpose, right? Like everybody with a Facebook profile is a media company. Okay. They're bought and sold to advertisers, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, what do you have to say? You know, most people don't stop to actually think about this. They just say stuff, right? Whether you're on your social media profile or you're blogging or whatever, it's like, just grasping for things to say just to say things because we need to like be active or whatever but I think it's much more effective to take a step back and to ask well what what do I actually have to say what do I want to say what's what needs to be said what's important right um I really believe if you don't you know it's like sometimes saying nothing is better better than saying something that just doesn't really add value so if you know what you have to say you're gonna already be steps ahead of most people that are just kind of saying stuff without thinking much about it um, and the thing the the thing about this is that oftentimes we don't we don't really know what we have to say and that's okay too um, and the truth is is that writing when we write intentionally and I don't mean like Like Facebook post writing, but like blogging is such a different sort of experience because it you kind of it's there's more quality about it and and you're kind of forced to wrestle with your thoughts and your perspectives and ideas and turn them into something useful, right? And the thing that I've really come to understand is that writing reveals my knowledge about something. When I sit down and try to write something about a topic. that's kind of like the ultimate test of like, well, how much do I actually know? Because I find that the more I know about something, the more it flows, the easier it is to write. The less I know about something, the more I have to kind of struggle with it. But in either case, writing is learning, which is you know something that I, I haven't done until recently in my life is, is get serious about taking notes. And the thing that I never really realized about notes is that what notes actually are is you rewriting what you're learning in your own words, which is like the first step in true learning. So especially when it comes to notes, like one little tip is like, don't rewrite the same thing with your own handwriting, actually rewrite the idea in in your own voice, in your own uh, style, which will kind of, it's going to help it land better. Um, so I, I see writing as a sort of Discipline and a practice to increasing knowledge increasing intelligence and that's I think blogging is really understated and and how useful of a tool it is um, So when it comes to your message, it's really 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 important to just get to the point as fast as possible especially in the sort of modern social media landscape where everything is just so fast and you know tweets and this and that, people's attention span are just out the window. I mean, I don't know if this is true, but I remember seeing some sort of stat that like the average person on social media has a shorter attention span than a goldfish. I don't know if it's true, but I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised at all. So what this means is that We need to be we need to be exercising our muscle of like getting to the point faster and creating content that's more bite sized and um, digestible. (coughs) Um, Because, yeah, if, if we create content that Even though it might be it might have all the like stuff in it that we want if we don't make it digestible, then it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not going to get digested very well. I mean, it's a a bit of a wasted opportunity and the more digestible we can make something, the more of an effect it's going to have on our audience and, and their understanding. And that's, it's just going to have a feedback loop where the people will understand our writing better. And that's going to reflect back on actually building more brand equity and people will become to trust us more. Yada, yada yada so how do we make more um digestible messaging digestible content right so one one concept that i've recently discovered is this idea of at- at- atomicity which is like the keyword is atoms right so an atom is like the smallest building block of reality of the physical universe okay everything is supposedly built up of atoms. So when you get down to the atomic level, you can't really go much further than that. I mean, that's the basic unit. I guess you could argue that with quantum physics and stuff, but for all intents and purposes, let's just consider that the atom is as small as it gets. So what this means is that it's it's this idea of every time I write, I, I always want to have like every sentence kind of have a complete idea it's almost like thinking about like every sentence every line every time you communicate something if we there's there's a, a an ability to have more with less right so it's kind of like thinking in terms of um using you know kind of creating building blocks of ideas and uh as we kind of flex that muscle and get better and better at that, then we, we find that it'll be easier to formulate uh, blog posts and, and longer form writing because all it really is is just a collection of smaller chunk ideas. And the more uh, digestible each of those small chunk ideas are, the more digestible the overall piece is going to be. The flip side to this is like the habit of having a whole paragraph or multiple paragraphs dancing around a point and then it doesn't ever quite like get there and I I think you know what I mean you've probably read an article like that where there's a lot of reading and a lot of like digesting the content just to like get out one little simple idea versus when you read something that like every line you're like oh my god oh my god like yeah brilliant you know and it's like every little sentence has a little nugget for you to take away so as you read through you're digesting as you go. Um, Another key thing about digestibility is, is having some structure with writing, right, which is to say, having some simple rules and processes. Um, For me, like some examples of rules that I like to set are that I generally tend to not have any sort of run on paragraphs like I usually even keep it to like one or two sentences per paragraph and kind of like each little one or two sentence paragraph I want to be a digestible sensible um valuable little piece in itself and so I kind of have these like rules of quote syntax that I use and I'm writing that helps um with readability, with legibility, it's kind of like when you're writing, look at the words, uh, but also look at like the shape of the words. If you kind of imagine that you can't read the words, but you can see the shape and how like the formatting is, um, if it by sort of making the structure more harmonic and more readable, it's going to actually help amplify your message and, and help communicate even more effectively. Um another another really kind of key thing with digestibility is just always f- focusing on on quality, right? I think it's it's easy to, I think there's a big shortage of quality, to be honest, and this is just a matter of like, before publishing something, just kind of taking that second look and just being like, could I make this a little bit better? And I think that that's a good rule of thumb is like always, going back to something for another round of edits and this is you know and i'm not saying to get obsessed over perfection because i don't really believe in perfection and i think that perfection is uh can really get in the way but i also don't think that we should just be like putting out stuff just to put stuff out i think that's also the wrong approach and that we need to find that balance of like bring our best to it in the moment. And, but then like, don't, don't, you know, waste days going around and round and around in circles, just do one circle. Right. Um, but yeah, the, I find that like quality and digestibility go hand in hand, right. The more, the more high quality something is the more digestible it's going to end up being. Um, which is why I like a five-star organic meal is going to be easier on your stomach than a Big Mac. All right. So when it comes to messaging, the last like kind of key point that I want to make is simplicity. Okay. And this is, um, I mean, again, this is really, really important. This is one of those things that just, it's, it, it, the end result looks obvious and easy, but sometimes getting to simplicity is hard, especially when we're kind of still learning something new. And maybe if we don't really or aren't fully comfortable with what we're talking about it can be hard to get to simplicity because um, in my I like to see it like simplicity is a sign of mastery um, so a good rule is when we're explaining something when we're writing um, and this is particularly true when we're writing sales related copy like a sales page or a sales letter or um, anything anytime we're we're uh, wanting to convince somebody of something whether it's to buy our thing or or it's just uh sharing a new idea i always want to like i love this quote like idea of like explain it to me like i'm five right it's like like strip away the jargon strip away all the all the fluff and you know the big words that make it sound smart but just like tell me what the thing is get you know get to the point explain it to me like i'm five there's a some of the best most successful like advertising campaigns in history um, created by like David Ogilvy and some of these other guys, they're some of the, they're like the most simple language. In some cases, the grammar and the like pronunciation, everything is atrocious, um, but it communicates clearly. It, it's, it's unrefined. It's rough and unrefined, but it's clear and that, you know, anybody could read it and understand it. If you know, if, if, if it requires some sort of insider knowledge to read what you're writing about, then the insiders might find it useful, but we're gonna be missing out on other eyeballs and, and people um, learning about what we're doing. So yeah, whenever we're writing, I always just resort back to like, how do I make this more simple? How do I just distill it down to its essentials into its basics so that i could explain it to a kid and they might understand it um so on the topic of like insider lingo it's always good to replace any like complicated words with simple words and like uh, this is a fun little meme of you know this guy calls it an insulator and this guy's also dielectric and it's, you know, it's, it's like we want to be talking at the level of the people we're talking to rather than talking from, a, from on high, right, which is going to create feelings of alienation and we don't want to make people feel stupid, even though we might not be intending for that to happen. But by making our language simpler, it's more accessible, it's more inviting. It's going to make our messaging more effective. Um another like a really key thing here is is to to be authentic right it's like i, f- I feel like oftentimes we can try too hard to appear a w- appear like we know what we 're talking about when we don't or to sort of posture ourselves as being you know an expert or whatever when sometimes it's just the, the authentic sharing of what we know without needing to say I'm XYZ certified and I have a PhD at the end of my name and blah, 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 blah. But just to like, here's, you know, here's something I learned that's useful. You know, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but this is, you know, to, by just being authentic, it creates trust. So it's like, in a funny way, but if we pretend that we have all the answers and kind of come at it from this expert point of view, it could be, it, 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 for some people it might resonate, but for others it might really create alienation and, and just might not like connect in, in a meaningful way. Whereas if we show up and say, hey, I don't really know much about this topic, but like, I just learned this thing and I think it's really interesting and like, check it out. Here's what I learned, you know? they might actually get more out of that than the sort of experts summary, if that makes sense. So I think that it's, it's important to understand that when we're communicating, to always like bring our authenticity to it, bring our, you know, our personal voice. Um, and then one other little thing about messaging that's really important is that when we, when we communicate with our audience, it's really, really important to find some sort of a rhythm, right? Whether this and this this could show up in many ways, but the more our audience can depend on us at a certain interval, right, uh, the better. And it may or may not, you know, if you say publish a blog every Monday or something like that, then over time they w- will kind of naturally come to expect that. Um, but the, the key thing is, is that even if it's not a specific day of the week that you're publishing something, it's, it's by like keeping the publishing flow going creates that rhythm that somebody can kind of get on board with and groove with and engage with you regularly. If, it, if the rhythm's really sporadic, right? If you're kind of all over playing this rhythm and that rhythm, it's hard to kind of like dance with it, if that makes sense um so if we can create more consistency it doesn't need to be complex or complicated but just simple consistency can help create a rhythm that people can um get get along with and can kind of come to rely on so um so that's basically covers it for uh for strategy right so we again we want, what we want to do is to, uh, oh yeah, just, so, okay, so yeah, backing up, um, the big topic that we're covering right now is clarity, right? So step one, clarity, and, and the four ways that we get clarity is through strategy, through making sure that everything that we are communicating um, is digestible and clear, and also coming to a point of simplicity, Right. And all of these feed into more and more clarity. Okay, To me, clarity is a sign of success, is a sign of mastery. So we always want to be striving for clarity. All right. So the the next thing that we're going to talk about is potency. And potency is like, you know, potency and clarity really work hand in hand. So if clarity is your ability to just kind of get to the point of what something is and, and you know create a sense of understanding, then potency is really the way that you go about doing that and sort of like the impact and the effect that your clarity has. Okay. Um, and with when it comes to potency, your voice is a really key component here. And this comes back to your message. But you know, if your message is just let's say the the clarity side of it is how, you know, what you're trying to say in its most raw kind of uncolored format. then potency comes through like your tone of voice, right? And the personality and character that you infuse into your message. Um, And this is, you know, your potency is really where traditional sort of thing, branding things come in such as, you know, your identity, your aesthetic, your, your color palette, you know, your, your brand voice, all of that kind of stuff plays into the potency factor. So the the first place to start um, is now again, it's your, your message is really the kind of core of all of it. And in order to have a, a message that is resonant, that is powerful and effective, you need to have something that you stand for, right? Like, as James Victoria says, have a damn opinion, like actually stand for something, like kind of put your foot down and say, this is what I believe, right? It doesn't even really matter what that thing is, but having that conviction of like, this is what I believe in, this is what I stand for. That's a hugely powerful and, um, it's just a powerful thing for for developing a, a presence and developing a brand and when you stand for something that creates trust and you're going to attract other people that stand for that too and it's also going to push people away and that's okay um kevin kelly he's the like he was like the founder of wired magazine he he has a infamous or actually i wouldn't say it's even infamous it's famous article called a thousand true fans and he basically explains that in the sort of way that the internet has unfolded, all we really need as a creator is just to have a thousand true fans. Like whether you're a musician or whatever it is that you do, just as an individual creator, if you have a thousand people that actually care about what you do, like you're you're set, you have it made. Like you can generate all the like financial abundance that you need in order to be successful and continue doing what you're doing. And I think that part of that comes back to actually having something worth talking about. And if you think about all of the most successful artists and creators, oftentimes they have a very strong opinion about something or multiple somethings. And I think that a lot of us are often like uh, afraid of, putting our foot on the gr- in the ground and saying, this is what I believe, this is what I stand for. Cause we don't want to offend people. We don't want to push people away, especially when we're like just starting out and building an audience. And we want to get as many eyeballs as possible. But the problem with that is that we end up usually getting, you know, maybe more people initially, but they're not as invested. And they're maybe not as resonant than had, had we re- said something profound and strong and stuck by that and then had maybe less people but those less people would be more invested and so that's the whole point of the thousand true fans argument is that it's not about more it's not about boosting the numbers you know more likes more vanity metrics it's about quality over quantity it's like i believe that if you had 10 10 people who were like fully 100 percent on board with everything you do and just completely loved you and like you know would buy anything you created and share whatever you put out that's going to be a lot more useful to you than say a hundred or even a thousand people that are just mildly interested so we always want to be going aiming for uh, quality and the best way to do that is to have have an opinion right so when we're designing and kind of coming up with messaging it's really important to start with with no filter And I'm not saying that we want to, like, just publish whatever comes to mind. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying write whatever comes to mind. Get clear with yourself what your thoughts are and what you believe about something. And in order to do that, we need to have kind of no filter with ourself, right? And once we get all those, like, ideas down and we sort of clarify what it is we're trying to say, then we can actually put it through a filter, um, which is... Kind of how we create branded messaging. So the way that I, I, I the way that I do this is by first identifying what the core message is. Like, what's your thing about? Um, and there's a lot of components to this. And again, this is like a whole workshop in itself, which I, I intend to be uh, teaching in the future. But the the key here is that you identify your core message, which is unfiltered. It's just raw and it's to the point and it's clear. But it's it's not pretty necessarily. It's not fancy or colored or, or uh, imbued with personality. So then we, what we want to do is define, well, what is the tone of voice that your brand has, right? And there's a certain exercise that we can do to facilitate that really easily. So then the key is that we apply that filter to the core message and out pops what we call the branded message, which is creates that consistency so that no matter what you say, no matter what the topic is, no matter um, what we're communicating, by applying a a consistent filter to it, it ensures that all communications are consistent, cohesive, resonant, and that our our audience can kind of come to rely on that certain tone of voice. I like to think of it like, um, I always have the image of like the dark side of the moon, right, where like our core message is the white light. It's just, it's raw and uncut. It's um, just the, the, pure, the pure message. And it goes through the prism, which is our voice, right? Our brand's personality. And by applying the brand's personality to that, to that um, white light of what we're saying, then we can create really engaging, fun, tasty language that actually means something and it's so grounded in something stable um so all of that is is really about how to make our voice more potent so then the other aspect of potency is like the aesthetic the look and feel right which is and another aspect of this is just artistry right bringing artistry to the equation and this is something that we really like you know talked a lot about when we did the Grady course adventure was this idea of like create work that's actually you could consider it art you know it's like when we think about the difference between art and like work oftentimes those those things can be seen as separate but I don't think that they really are nor should they be right Um, and the reason being is that when we do art like all artists, I mean, for the most part, like they really care about their work, right? Like there's something very personal about it that kind of, you naturally wanna go the extra mile. Whereas when something's just work, it's like, let's make this end as fast as possible. Let's put the least amount of energy and effort into this as possible to just get the damn thing done because I wanna get back to playing. I think that if we have that in our business, we're like, we're not seeing certain things as art then we're not gonna show up fully to it. And it's not gonna be as potent as if we were to look at our entire business, every aspect of it as as a sort of expression of artistry. And like, I feel like the way to get there is just give a damn. (laughs) Actually care about what you're doing. If you don't care, don't fucking do it. It's like, it's that simple, right? If you don't actually like what you're doing, then you you're doing the wrong thing. I really believe that. And it's just something that I've had to like check myself with and and look at like what I'm doing and what my my um sort of business habits are and the sort of things that I do in my business and I'm like, "Wow, okay, there's certain things that I do because I think I should or because it pays the bills or whatever, but you know what? Maybe in the short run it's going to help, um, but in the long run it's going to lead to burnout." And I find that when I actually care about something and when I anchor all of my business and my creative output to that something that I really care about, suddenly I have all this energy, right? Suddenly the quality of the thing gets better because I'm not worried about how much time it's taking. I want to put more time into it. It's like I can't peel myself away from it because I just am constantly looking for ways to make it more refined because it's just like a natural expression of my soul rather than just like a thing that i have to do to make money right it's a huge difference um so when we sh- when we when we show up as artists rather than workers or something like that then something that happens that is a sort of byproduct is that we i find that we develop patience right like like art is a it is a game of patience, you know, the best things in life take time. And if we allow, you know, allow things to take the time they need to take, um, which isn't to say to procrastinate, right? Um, But to like show up and, and do the work and also recognize that like things might take a little longer than you expected or whatever, or, you know, maybe things aren't moving along as fast as you expect, but if you actually care, if you're, True to you and doing all the, all those things right, then it's gonna work out in some way. It's gonna end up being a benefit. Uh, another really important thing too is is being okay with standing out. You know, it's it's there's a kind of catch twenty two that we have to stand out in order to get noticed, and we're scared shitless of standing out. I mean, that's kind of a problem. Right. So it's like, so we know we need to stand out, but we only stand out in ways that feel safe. And, you know, kind of are not really stand outy. It's like, it's instead of standing out, we just kind of like put our finger up. Right. Um, but if we, you know, if we can own our weirdness, it's like, like, <laughs> the things that make you weird is really like your superpower, because it's your weirdness right it's kind of like it's a unique thing to you and i'm always looking for ways to add my weirdness to my work in a way that makes sense obviously um because i don't want to go super obscure and off off the deep end of being weird but like i'm also recognizing um i love this quote what made you weird as a kid is what makes you great today and it goes back to that thing i was talking about earlier about getting in touch with like what your interests were when you were a child, because that's a big clue to what you should be focusing on right now. And, um, yeah, when when we're doing work that we're proud of and that's unique to us, then we're proud to be unique and proud to stand out and we don't need to, um, necessarily be hiding behind the work anymore. So it's those that, you know, have a voice that have an opinion that, that actually care that are um, you know not afra- afraid to to speak up and to express themselves. Those are the ones that get noticed. Um, and ultimately, you know, it's a labor of love. It's like I, I really believe, especially if you're a, you're a sort of an entrepreneurial type of person, especially a solo entrepreneur or creator. You just gotta love what you do. If you don't, uh, it's just not gonna work. It's not gonna work well. I mean, you might. But it's not a safe bet. You know, it's like the way I like to think of it is that, hey, if I love something and I give it a shot and doesn't work out, at least I still love it. Right. At least it was enjoyable in the process. Um, I don't, you know, I'm kind of at this point where like, there's been too many things in my past where looking back, I'm like, yeah, I wish I just didn't do it that way because I was that wasn't for the love, you know, I wasn't actually in touch with something I want to be doing. And to me, like, you know, if we actually love the whole process, it's going to, it's going to make the whole thing so much easier. And that it, it, it shows up in the work. You can, again, you can just tell when somebody actually loves what they're doing versus if it's just a money grab. All right. So bring, bring your artistry. So when it comes to artistry, um, you know, one of the, when it comes to, especially with branding, it's like, we're talking about like your aesthetic. Right. And that's a, a huge part of the personality and the uniqueness. So this is a, a stylescape that I created for uh, a client. Um, and what this is doing is is it helps to define and illustrate what the visual direction of the brand should be now i really like creating stylescapes because it's a fast way of creating a vibe of creating an aesthetic and creating clarity over like what your brand should look and feel like without needing to actually to without needing to create anything so what you're seeing here is actually all just images that were found online that sort of spoke to some of these three keywords so if you look on the left here funky playful expressive when, when we're you know developing an aesthetic we want to start with words we want to identify like and, and this those three words go back to the whole essence aspect of your strategy right defining who am I okay so when we define who am I in, in words and I have a process of you know coming to these these words that can become seeds for your your brand aesthetic, um, these words then kind of form the basis. And so when we created the stylescape, the whole thing was based around, how do we vi- create a visual communication that says funky, playful, and expressive? So when we went and we were searching for images, that's all we're looking for. We're just like, all right, let's find some funky, playful, expressive stuff online that's inspiring. And um, there's a lot of websites that you can use to find that kind of thing. But that's, you know, I literally went into, like, Google image search and was just, like, funky. <laughs> and then out pops some really cool stuff. And gather all together and then we can kind of make, you know, I like to think of this like a, a vision board or something like that. Um, I'll show you some other examples here in just a second. But one thing that I wanna impart right now when it comes to the visual side of things is that what we're doing with, the, with visuals is it's not just to like look nice or just to look professional it's actually where we're, it's a visual language. Like we want people to see things and for those things that they see that don't necessarily have a clear message, there is a message behind it, right? Like for instance, and so the whole idea is that what by looking at something and seeing something, it triggers emotions, it triggers thoughts, it triggers ideas. Um, and it really works with the subconscious. So in this case, you know, what this is saying without words is, We're going to have fun together. Right. We're going to express ourselves. We're going to be playful. You see how that kind of works. So here's Vine. So the the words that she wanted was prismatic, botanical and astral. So we just found stuff that fit that. And then there we go. Um, Here's one I did for a client. This is for a mental health nonprofit. So they want an innovative, impactful and trusted. So it's this sort of balance between wanting to, to appear very trustworthy, you know, the people that they're uh, in their audience are, are philanthropists. Um, and so, you know, these people need to have trust and belief in, in things that they're doing too. So we wanted to find that balance between you know, what's going to look trustworthy and stable and solid and also what's going to be fresh and innovative and, and unique. Um, here's Dewi expressive, colorful and glowing. So you can kind of see how like these simple words translate to um, to vision. And by c- connecting words to visuals, we're training ourselves to be thinking in that visual language, right? So it's always like, we don't want to just pick an image because it looks nice we want it to say something right um so here's another one heart mind so beautiful symbolic and simple so one thing that we're doing here is this suggesting that we use really simple symbols to communicate concepts Um, and then oh here's bradley's Um, so this is what we're using as a base for the new magic media website so we're just finding inspiration and then compiling it together so that it can kind of create a scene. So even if you're like, like, say you're gonna work with a designer, it's gonna be a lot easier for you and it's gonna save time for you and them if you kind of create a vision board like this that is tied to words and is tied to your strategy um, to help narrow them in, right? Versus kind of have it be this open-ended thing. And and you know, I can't tell you how many times in the past Uh, working with clients or helping other people that are working with clients where they try to say, oh, I want it to look like this, like that. And then like just round and round we go. And we don't ever like kind of land at the same place because there's like a communication breakdown. But what this tool does about creating a stylescape or a vision board, we're crossing that barrier and we're saying this is this is what it looks like and, and this is what it says. Right. So when working with a designer, you could just show up with this Board the stylescape and say, hey, here's, here's the sort of creative boundaries like make it look like that. And you're going to know that whatever they create if they're a good designer is going to fit your vibe. Right. So that's just a little uh, Kind of sneak peek of some stylescapes. And again, this, I I feel like that this is, could be a whole workshop in itself. And um, I'm, I would love to know as we go along, you know, you can put in the comments, like if there's any one of these topics that we're covering that um, you'd like to really drill in on and learn more about, put it in the comments. I'd love to know because I know we're covering a lot of ground and there's just, you know, there's a lot of information, but what I'm trying to do here is to give you the sort of 30,000 foot view of all the different aspects and components and concepts that I believe goes into having a really powerful and effective presence online and just in business in general. So another uh, key aspect of, of um, potency, you know, having a potent present uh, presence is intelligence. So it's kind of like, We want to have something to say and we also want to you know have it be intelligent and smart right it's like not all things not all things said are created equal or have the same um sort of intellectual uh value so to speak so especially if we're like bloggers and writers and and whatnot like we work in in you know our work is in knowledge right so we want to. We want our work to make us smarter, and we also want to make others smarter. And you know, the key thing is like, like understanding like what does it all mean? Like, what what am I, what am I doing? Like, what what am I actually saying? And just by having clarity as to like um, what you're trying to say and like what the overall message is and whether it's like your brand as a whole or it's like a specific video or piece of content we want to be super clear on like what the thing actually is which just goes back to clarity right um to me clarity speaks to intelligence like if 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 i read something that makes me work to understand it then what that tells me is the person behind it doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, so when it comes to intelligence as well, it's like, I, 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 I always like to think that there's this balance, a balancing act that we need between the left and the right brain, right? The left brain is where we get logic and reason and um, we make decisions and we can analyze things and get strategic and, you know, uh, have we have control we have sort of rules and structures in place and on the right side is like where we get emotions and passion and the creative side and um, all of this sort of like intangibles and it's kind of like all the juice of it right and by having those things together um, it really adds to the value and to just the, the quality and intelligence of the work that we're creating. So, the, kind of, the, again, the four things about how, how to add more potency to our work is we need to have a really strong, distinct voice. We need to show up with artistry. We need to have a clear aesthetics. You know, we need to have visual consistency and we want that visual consistency to be um, tied to the message, right? It's just an extension of the message. And we want what we do to be intelligent. All right, so that is number, number two, uh, which is a potency. So we started with clarity covered potency and now we want to talk about autonomy so the the first two things the clarity and point potency are really important when it comes to like creating your brand presence um, but the, the things that we're going to talk about now are kind of going to some territory that a lot of time a lot of us don't really think about and I feel like that they're very very important things for us to be thinking about especially with just the sort of climate of social media right now and just with the way that things are going in the world. And there's growing concerns with, you know, with social media and platforms like Facebook and AI algorithms and all that fun stuff. So we're gonna talk about autonomy for a minute. And, you know, when I say autonomy, um, what that means is like, it's your ability to when you're autonomous, you kind of have control over yourself, right? So brand autonomy or platform autonomy is that you're in control of your brand and your platform, which is to state, you, you have mobility, you have freedom. You can, you can go anywhere you want to go, right? Now, the problem with all the big social media sites is that you don't actually have any autonomy when you're using these platforms. I mean, you have the autonomy to use it, but with the data that you put on it, you know, with the content that you're creating for these platforms, you have zero autonomy. Um, So, you know, what happens if you decide I'm done with Facebook, I want to move to this other thing? Like, you can't take your Facebook following with you. You can't take your Facebook content with you. I mean, I know you can like download it or export it, but It's not really going to be useful for you. It's it only really is useful in the context of Facebook. So when when we're heavily invested in these different platforms, we're also heavily stuck with them. And the problem, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing to be, you know, invested or stuck with the platform, um, but it can be problematic when we realize that we don't have any control or say as to how these platforms operate. Um, Case in point. I got kicked off of Facebook a few weeks ago for, for no reason. I don't actually understand why it happened. And I'm, you know, thankfully I wasn't too heavily invested in Facebook, but literally within um, overnight, like my account was closed and ac- I lost access to all of my business accounts, groups, content, images, everything, followings like the whole bit just because they decided that, I shouldn't be there. It's kind of a weird thing. I don't get it. Um, but the whole point is that like, and something that I, I never thought that that would happen to me. Right. And suddenly it was just like, I was just de-platformed for basically nothing. And it just goes to show that like at any point, any of us could lose our accounts and everything that we've created on these platforms. And they don't have to give us a reason why. So it's kind of a little bit disconcerting that, that that's, the reality, especially in today's you know sort of entrepreneurial climate, a lot of people are building their entire presence and brand on these platforms, which is um, yeah. I'm glad I didn't do that. I'll just put it that way. Um, so the whole point is that like, if we can't seamlessly move between flat platforms with our body of work with our content, we're not autonomous at all. We're at the mercy of these. Um, you know, like these silos of, of data and they control their turf. <coughs> um, an example of something that we all use that is kind of the flip side to all of this is email, right? We all know email. It's like, it's been around forever. It's, you know, it's certainly not new and shiny, but it's, there's something beautiful about it in the sense that it's direct distribution. There's no gatekeeper, right? It's completely decentralized. Um, nobody can decide to get in between you and your email subscriber, or you know somebody you want to send an email to. And that's a really beautiful thing. And so I'm a big advocate in like the email list. Um, and, and it wasn't really until, I mean, I always knew and always heard like, oh, you need to have email list, email list. It's super effective, blah, blah, blah. And that's all the kind of marketing rhetoric about it. But from a more like sort of level of principle, when you have an email list, you have total autonomy, right? Like you can move that mailing list between providers, between platforms with total ease. You can't just take your Facebook following to Twitter or wherever else you can't even, you can't even just take your Facebook following to an email list. Like it's, you know, it's good while you have it, but, um, the trade off is that you don't have that autonomy. So there's kind of this, this issue of like, well, what do we do? Like, how do we, you know, how do I have more control over my presence, over my platform, over my audience, over my distribution, all these things. Um, how do we become more platform agnostic, which means you have your work, your data uh, that, you know, and then to be able to like take that with you. I think that that's something that we really need that's really missing right now, that um, it's not, you can't just take it elsewhere. You can't, you know, decide, oh, I'm, I don't like Facebook anymore. I'm gonna just go over here. Like that. that's not a thing. So the key is that like we need to come into ownership like we need to take data ownership seriously you know we need to own our platform we need to own our data we need to own our content and when we're using something like facebook we just have to keep in mind that we don't own really anything about that situation right so the question is like is is your data really yours like is your facebook profile really yours um so I know that technically you can like export your data and stuff, but like it's at the end of the day, it's not really yours. And, you know, there's, there's the, re- the reason people use these platforms is because it's easy, right? It's accessible, it's so easy. And, you know, you don't have to really think about it. Everybody's using it. So what we're doing is we're trading our um, autonomy for convenience, which, you know, we're starting to see the problem with that, okay? so there's a quote it's if you don't pay for a service you are the product right like when it comes to facebook like we are the products and we're not the customer the customers are advertisers right and while this seems like oh yeah it makes sense you know it's a brilliant business model um but like some of the, you know, the, the cracks in the foundation are starting to show up and we're starting to see the negative consequence of having, having over a billion people using a platform, you know, basically a, a seventh or so of the entire planet is being influenced by a platform that is engineered to basically improve the outcomes for advertisers at the expense of you. <laughs> it's not it's not in our best interest. it's actually in the best interest of advertisers and it and it doesn't actually really the algorithms don't really care about your personal experience. All they care about is how to make better deals for advertisers. So there's a video on um, a new documentary on Netflix that's quite alarming and it's uh, a lot of the people from Silicon Valley and a lot of these people that like created these platforms are like super, uh, they're, they're not okay with what's currently, how it's all unfolded. And they're actually seeing that like the, the algorithms that they created, they're actually like AI as, an, as a thing isn't like off into the future. Like it is the algorithm. Like AI is controlling what we see when we're on Facebook. It's It's playing that gatekeeper and it's showing us things that keep us glued to Facebook whether it's you know positive or negative. So what the algorithms are realizing is that um, we tend to engage more with conflict and things that we don't like. And all the political polarization that we're seeing right now is actually can be traced to these algorithms that are actually creating it. It's kind of crazy and fascinating. Um, but I think it's really important for us to understand these platforms that we're using and to make wise, educated decisions about whether or not we want to use them. And if we do decide to use them because there is a huge amount of potential to using a platform where, you know, we have access to all these people, we just need to understand like the trade-offs. So, you know, the algorithms are getting smarter and they're, they're able to like press our buttons. And, you know, for me, like, like the months leading up to me getting kicked off of Facebook, I would find that every time I would go there, I would, I would end up feeling like a lot of anxiety and was like constantly like checking it and glued to it because it was this, like, is a sort of, it's almost like a, it reminded me of being in like a toxic relationship where it's like, I need to get out of here, but I just can't get away. You know what I mean? And it was totally like that. And it wasn't until I literally was like kicked off with no explanation. And it even said on when, I, when I tried to log back in, it was like, you're this is irrevocable like nothing can be done it's gone so I was like oh my god okay just gonna let that go and it's been a huge blessing and boon for me because I can't tell you how much more productive I've been to like have that door be closed and I'm like focusing now on like okay how do I create a platform outside of that world and it's been just opening up so many possibilities and opportunities for me. Um, so yeah you know it's the unfortunate reality of of Facebook is even though it's a great way to stay connected um, the whole thing is optimized for generating money for shareholders which and it's not optimized for making your life better it's it doesn't have any concern with how it affects your life um, as long as it's making money for stakeholders and I think it's you know the writing's on the wall. It's 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 not going to end well. So I think it's just important that we like understand how these things are are flowing. And um, for me personally, I it's important that that I have control over my platform, my just my distribution. So which leads to the next thing, just distribution, which is just when we create a piece of content or we have a message for our people or, you know, we have something to sell or whatever it might be. um, Like, what's the, how how do we distribute that? And a lot of times when it comes to Facebook is, oh, we just make a post and then we just hope people see it or we could buy ads and do it that way. Um, But if we don't really have uh, ownership of our distribution, like, is that, is that a good place to be in, right? If, if our distribution is sort of like at the whim of these, these uh, corporations that have kind of like these algorithms that decide who sees what, it's just a big gamble. It's like playing the slot machine, right? Vers- which is a lot different than having a mailing list of people that are genuinely interested and excited and resonant with what you're doing. Because at any point, you can just go to your email thing and send them all a message you know some of them might not receive it because of like spam folders and all that kind of stuff but it's a lot different of a thing it's more direct than having an algorithm deciding for you who gets to see your content right so i really believe in in looking at always looking at like how can we be more direct with our audience and how can we cut out the middlemen um or or if we're going to work with middlemen Um, which because I think that they are very valid and we're going to talk about that shortly when we get into the decentralization stuff. Um, But when the middle, if, you know, if the middleman is a helper to help um, facilitate these connections, that's a beautiful thing. But when it's completely controlling that relationship and can decide to squeeze that relationship out at any point, then we have zero control. And that's just, it's not a, not a good thing, not a, a good place to be. So, so yeah, we don't want to rely on, on their algorithms, um, which is a, called a black box. It's something that we don't understand. Not even the people at Facebook understand it anymore because it's it's an AI thing. It, the, the, the computer is just kind of constantly learning how better and better to show you things that are going to keep you glued and making them more money. It's Yeah. So what I recommend is that we need to start thinking about how do we like change the channel? How do we um, create channels of distribution to be more directly connected with the people that we want to be connected to, right? And you know, this is, a, this is an awareness issue, right? It's like aware everything comes down to awareness and Facebook controls the awareness of over a billion people. Like that's crazy. It's totally crazy, um, but it is what it is. And um, but the good thing is, is that you know, there's so many ways to generate awareness. And what I'm really interested in is is finding ways of creating community and 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 helping to create awareness that doesn't rely on these gatekeepers as much. Because if you know, if we let Facebook be the gatekeeper of our business um, we're bound to run into problems so again we want to always think about like how can I control my distribution right there's no clear-cut way to do that but just asking that question and just understanding this this as a principle is going to be really really helpful for you in the long run all right um, so another really key, key concept here is just uh, the adaptability factor. And we just want to be able to, at the drop of a hat, be able to adapt to new situations. Like for instance, me getting kicked off of Facebook. If I was like super heavily invested in Facebook and was like really depending on Facebook for my business and then suddenly I'm kicked off, like if I hadn't, sort of been prepared for that by not you know having all my eggs in that basket then it would have been a really hard time to adjust but because of the circumstances and that like you know I exist elsewhere then it was just really easy to adapt and actually it's been a huge blessing for me so you know the writings on the wall, like when there's a Netflix documentary that's featured on their homepage of all these people that created Google, that created Facebook, that created, you know, all these platforms and they're saying, you know, something is wrong. Like this needs to be dealt with, you know, these are like, we have a red alert situation and we, it's, we really do ourselves a big favor of uh, paying attention to this and starting to think about, okay, how do, how do I exist online without social media? What does that look like? Because um, as far as I'm concerned, like the, the current paradigm of social media where it's this huge conglomerate thing, I, I feel like it's starting to shift away. And so I think the time is now to start thinking about what the alternatives are. Um, you know, like empires fall, like think about how fast MySpace disappeared into the, into, you know, into the ether. The same thing can happen with Facebook. It can happen with Instagram. You know, it's there's no guarantees with this game. And if you know, if you're relying on a platform that you don't control, then you're not in control. So we want to be the directors of our presence. We want to be the directors of our brands and of our work, and um, and our distribution. So it's you know, yeah, it's we just we don't want to let the corporations and sort of the profit principle. Um, control our destiny. So that's uh, the key things about autonomy. You know, we want to we want to be mobile, be able to 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 not be stuck in any sort of situation or platform. We want to own our data, own our content, own our platform. We need to also have distribution channels set up that we are in control of and we need to be adaptable. And this leads to the fifth the fifth core principle of, of um, our workshop here. And this is decentralization. And I know this is a, a big buzzword these days, especially with uh, like blockchain technology and Bitcoin, blah, 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 blah. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking more about just the concept of decentralization. Um, because, you know, The, the Facebook model is the opposite. It's hyper centralization. It's everything goes through that, that gatekeeper and Facebook has the ultimate say as to whether or not people see your stuff, you know, it's completely in control of the conversation. So what does decentralization look like? So it actually, if you have a, if you have a website, like a WordPress site, like you have something called RSS. So this is, um, Kind of like email that this is like dinosaur technology but what rss does is it when you have a a wordpress site every all the content you create all those blog posts are sort of uh, published as a, a feed an rss feed kind of behind the scenes and so you can take this little url and you can pop it into what's called an rss reader and all of your content of your all of your updates on your site are gonna show up on the other end. So it's like a, basically it was like social media before social media happened. Like all the different blogs in the, in the blogging world back before the days of Facebook, they all can interconnected with this RSS thing. So they were able to basically have all these different websites that are connected through these feeds by like say you would have your little like feed reader so you'd have all these different blogs coming in and you'd be able to see the updates kind of like an email inbox, but for like blogging. So the thing that's interesting about RSS is that like, again, we all, if we have a website, we have an RSS feed and interestingly, like most of us don't even know what it is or how it works and it's, we start to look into it and we look at like the RSS feed URL and it's like this weird code looking thing. And we're like, well, that's weird and techie. I'm just, you know, not going to think about that. Um, I mean, me myself, I didn't even know what it really was until recently when I was like, oh, I want to learn about this. And it turns out that I I feel like that this is actually a big, um, a, a key here to how we can create more autonomy. So the way RSS works is like, again so if on the left these three little things are like three different blogs three different websites that are publishing content then we can sort of aggregate them here in a website so we can actually have a website that aggregates all these different blogs into one feed sort of like just like that's that's what all these social media platforms do right they just aggregate Different feeds into one place. In the case of Facebook, instead of having individual websites, you just have a profile and a wall. And then it aggregates all these into one feed and then it selectively shows you depending on, you know, what what you see depending on your connections. Um, So the key, the the interesting thing here to think about is that with RSS what that makes possible is this whole, this idea that your website becomes your profile for you know, your social media profile rather than your Facebook profile. And I think that like that's the direction that I'm going right now is, is looking at my website or websites plural as my, that's my home base. That's ground zero. That's where my presence exists. And what RSS does is it gives us a distribution channel to, put, to distribute what we're doing to make it available to, so other people can kind of quote capture it and it also sets up a system where we can um, syndicate and aggregate data to make it discoverable because one of the things about social media that's that's so powerful is that it makes your content discoverable. Right. So with the right use of RSS and other types of technology. I mean, this is just something I use this as, as an example because it's already in your website. Um, so The idea is that if we work together, we can create situations where we can, um, you know, one idea is to have a a sort of network of separate sites that are all being sort of aggregated into one community hub site that is a place where you can be discovered and and whatnot. Um, So I'm not gonna really go too far into that. I just wanna plant that as just, you know, an idea of how this kind of thing, thing can work. But when it comes to, um, so the original vision of RSS was actually a decentralized open web of autonomous content creators, right? It was a way of connecting separate blogs and websites together and creating meaningful dialogue and discussion between them. And then what happened, what went wrong was these, uh, Twitter came along, Facebook came along, Google came along and presented a much more streamlined way to Aggregate content and to discover and to discuss, but the problem is, as we are now seeing, is that the the sort of downside is that we're the quality of the conversation has gone down the drain because it's all about just it's kind of like uh, it's it's just showing you what's going to make you like emotional or you know make you click more things, which isn't going to necessarily be what makes you. Um, become a better you. And so, you know, the, the quality of the content of the pre-social media, like RSS blog network world was like way, way, way higher than the quality of conversation that we see on current social media. And as we can see, it's just continuing to go down, 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 more, more polarized, um, more meaningless blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So anyways, I, I'm foreseeing that like as an immediate solution, that there is gonna be a sort of resurgence of the RSS model. It's not the end all, but I do believe that it's a way for us to create meaningful um, networks of distribution and communication and community, um, all kind of within the context of high quality meaningful content that's well thought out rather than just fleeting stuff in the moment. So when it comes to our, you know, our brand and our output, like it's, it all comes back to what we create. Right. And um, there's something, there's a, there's a key thing that I want to illustrate here is this, this idea that the, the idea between content versus context. Okay. So your content is like, the words on the page. It's the thing you're saying. It's like, it's the content, right? So they say content is king, right? It's like your content is what really takes you where you wanna go. Context on the other hand is everything that's, it's the environment in which that content exists. So this is kind of like in, in the case of Facebook, your content is your post, Facebook is the context, right? and the the sort of connections you have on Facebook. So if content is king, then context is God. (laughs) It's kind of a fun way to think about it. So what I'm an advocate of is finding ways of creating more meaningful context in addition to meaningful content, which is to say it's the community around your work, right? And, um, you know, it's such a key thing. Community is key. So, on the on the on the topic of context, it's it's um like curation is a really key part, right? So, we can create things, but we can also curate, and that's like when, whenever you share a link on Facebook, you're just curating, right? You're um, you're finding something and you're posting and saying this is good, you got, you should check this out, okay? And so with the discoverability issue, like. I think we tend to underappreciate the value of curators, right? Which is to say, you know, it's like a DJ. It's like somebody that gathers the work of others and creates work out of those pieces of work. Right. And as a content creator, we want to have relationships with content curators because those curators can help get eyeballs. And so, you know, this, this sort of vision of like a more decentralized web and more, Autonomous um, platforms for for putting our stuff out there. Um, it's it's really gonna be, you know the curation aspect of it is is equally as important as content creation. And you know one cool thing about this is that like even if, let's say you're you're learning something new or you know, maybe you're just you're not you don't think your content is good enough for whatever reason. Um, you can make successful business out of just being a curator right it's your ability to bring the pieces together is i mean it's it's a really valuable thing so i think about curation as kind of the flip side to creation they're both super important and so when we're curating it's like the whole point is to find the gems and then we present those gems with our audience right and so if if you have gems if you have things of value then getting those in the hands of the curators is, you know, that's going to help you get more eyeballs as well. And it can, you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, the role of the DJ, especially back in the day, like the DJ was the curator. And it was like the musician would try to get their music to the right DJ that's going to get it in front of the right people. So what a curator does, they're just like the network hub, right? Um, I love uh, Tad Hargrave talks about hub marketing a lot. So the key is like collaboration, right? If we want to like figure this out, we need to learn how to work together, right? Like Facebook and that whole paradigm, it it's sort of disempowering because we don't it doesn't require us to get along and work together and to figure figure this out together, right? It it's it just does all the work and so we just kind of post and hope people see it. But if we want to create networks of of content and networks of meaning and collaboration outside of those realms like we're gonna have to get smart work together and get creative so that we can all sort of benefit and create a sort of um, a decentralized network of of collaboration and influence and um, yeah getting our work out to more people. So you know we, we all have a piece of the puzzle and I think that like, for me, the work at this point is to figure out how we can all connect and put those pieces together. And the way I like to see it is like each piece of the puzzle is like our own personal website, right? Rather than your Facebook profile. It's like the Facebook profile and the Twitter profile all become secondary to like your piece of property, your website that you own. And we can figure out how to get these websites interlinked and working together to create a sort of. A network that doesn't actually have its own platform. It exists because we are all connecting our things together in a meaningful way. And, um, you know, that's one of the mean, one of the key things um, behind this DreamSync project, which I'll talk about in a little bit, uh, is this idea that, well, yeah, we all have a piece of the puzzle and that I'm interested in, like, how do we create the us network, right? That is about, Making us and our businesses better, rather than filling the pockets of shareholders for a huge corporation, right? So it's it's all about the network. It's how it all connects, and it's yeah, like the name of the game is to, is connection. And you know, some points are just you know on the like, the perimeter here, and some of them are hubs. You know, we all have different roles to play. So. Um, I want to talk about like the difference between what the difference between centralized and decentralized is. So on the left is a centralized model which is what Facebook is. So in the middle is Facebook and then there's billions of nodes all connected to it and it has complete authority and control over the data flow between those nodes. Not a good situation for us. Um, Brilliant situation for them though. So here is... um, uh, decentralized so there's no there's no clear central point even though there are points that kind of serve as these little hubs but those hubs are all kind of interlinked and then um, over here is uh, distributed where like there is no central even hub there, it's all it's all just kind of like all each node is connected to other nodes and and there's no real center I really like this model where there is each website each blog is a node and, and then we figure out ways of creating larger hub websites that can kind of serve as distribution channels, right? And they're all connected. And I have the infrastructure set up for this. Um, and that's kind of my main project right now is creating a model for us to actually put this all to practice and create more autonomy. So the key thing I just want to instill here is like, control your data, like make a vow right now that like to start taking steps to like, to gain ownership control of your data. And when you find a piece of the puzzle that you don't have control over, like get real about yourself, whether like, you know, what why you're using it and what your what your plan is for that. Um, don't wait to get kicked off with Facebook like I did. And then have that decision made for you. So and when you control your data and your sort of your 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 uh, channels of communication, then you can control your mind, right? The, the stark reality and the kind of scary thing about this is that Facebook literally controls and influences the minds of over a billion people. And the whole thing is being steered by profit. It's, a, it's not a good thing, it's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> um, and we're seeing that with the mental health crisis that's unfolding as a result of people si- constantly sizing themselves up against something that's not even real so it's it's a runaway train and it's being guided by ai that's getting smarter and smarter about how it can keep us glued to its propaganda and it's got unfortunately it's got us you know really like struggling and toiling whether it's through you know creating content that's going to beat the algorithms or you know trying to like boost our image to like keep up with, you know, the Joneses and all the, you know, selfie culture and all that. And it's all this energy that is being put into it. And we're not the ones getting paid. Right. Um, So for me personally, just walk away. I know Brad, Brad, you've been off of Facebook for years and, um, you know, to be honest, like I wouldn't have actually fully tapped out of it had I not been kicked out of it. So I know it's it's not
0: easy. Um, but... It is easy. <laughs> just walk away. And in the act of walking away, you figure out how to continue to survive and grow what you're trying to do. And yeah. it's... It's, <laughs> it's amazing how much it has...
1: It's only been a couple of weeks and the amount of clarity that i've had and the ideas that i've had that have come out of that are just amazing and it's so empowering to like be t- making decisions and making moves that i know that i'm going to remain in control over rather than kind of always wondering like what's going to happen with facebook so there's this idea um well let me brad real quick we're almost oh, pretty much at the top of the hour and uh, how are we doing with like? I mean, I'm almost at the end.
0: Are you? I've got are, an appointment have... in uh, shortly, but if we can wrap up in the next five minutes, okay. Um, I'll just if people I'll do have questions. We can we can, you know, feel free to post your questions in uh, in the community. In that, just yeah, maybe early.
1: what we'll do too is because um, we won't have time for Q and A, but I know there's questions in the chat. Maybe we'll like, I can answer them in the community thread or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's do that. So and make sure we save the chat, Brad. So anyways, what the, on the flip side to this, the potential, the opportunity is something that we, is called the open web. And it's like the original vision of the internet and it all got sidetracked by these huge centralized um, silos of data like Google and Facebook. But the whole original vision was that everybody would have control and autonomy over their digital presence and how they interact and connect with others. And that it's sort of this like utopian dream that's totally more than possible. It's just that we have to actually be the ones to take that responsibility to do it. Because if we all just say, hey, whatever, Facebook is easier, I'm just gonna like continue letting them make, you know, I'm gonna vote for convenience, then it, yeah, we can just expect more of the same thing. So um, yeah, no masters, no slaves. We need to have control and autonomy over our presence. Um, and just master yourself. Because yeah, if you don't master yourself, someone else will master you for you, right? Um, and this is very much true about just your brand presence. Um, so it's kind of like, all right, well, what do we do? What do we do? And the, the simple answer is just figure it out. I think the biggest step is just to like make a commitment to taking more control over your presence and your distribution and just starting to make some steps. Um, so yeah, you know, there's, there's a huge amount of potential. I feel like we're kind of like at the threshold of like an entirely new experience of, you know, interconnecting and, and relating online. And even though I know that things are looking pretty bleak with all the crazy stuff that's going on in the world and just like how toxic places like Facebook are becoming, um, it's kind of showing me that we're actually getting closer and closer to like what the internet was actually originally intended and the vision to be. And it's people like us that are going to make that a reality. So, the whole point, you know, what, what does this all come back to? You know, we, the title of the talk was Principles of Presence, um, which is about how to create, a, it was how to create a powerful and effective um, brand presence. And, you know, I know that there's some twists and turns, but the main, you know, the key points is that we need to have clarity. We need to know what we're saying. We need to know how we're saying, we need to know why we're saying it. We need to know why we're doing the things that we're doing and be clear, we need to do those things in a very potent and effective way, right? And there's all these different ways that we can create more potency. We covered a lot of them. Um, we need autonomy, right? Which is to have ownership over our platform, over our distribution. Um, and syndication is is basically, it's a method of distribution. So it's, you know, the how we can collaborate and how we can make sure that like, your data is going to the right places and that we can create these network hubs to aggregate and syndicate our data you know syndication is just another way of saying co- cooperation collaboration and finally is decentralization which is kind of um, autonomy plus syndication it's like we just want to always be looking at like where are the bottlenecks in this in the chain you know it's like like we all want to be interconnected and cooperative and autonomous at the same time. And that's what decentralization offers. So that's, that's it. That's the talk. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. And I hope that you got at least one nugget of value of something useful that you can apply to your business. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm going to let's see. I'll stop the. Oh, yeah. So before actually, last thing, um, I'm not gonna really talk about the specifics of it, but this project, DreamSync, which I'm creating, is um sort of a way of me creating systems, frameworks, templates, processes to creating powerful brands, powerful websites, um, within that that all are in alignment with these principles that I've gone over today. And um, At the base level of it is a like a social network sort of like mighty networks except it's um just a a different platform and um if you're interested in joining that journey and just learning more um i'm you can uh, get a free account and so the community aspect of it will be free um for the foreseeable future right now um it's in early access so like there uh I'll be ready to open the doors like in the next week and if you want to sign up go to dreamsync.org magic and you can just pop your email in and then um, I'll be in touch with you about like what what comes next but um, yeah at the base at the sort of free entry level is just like a social media network for creative people like us and also there's a, a basically a a aggregator of different blog posts from network websites. So like magic media website blog will show up in that feed and other people's who have, have websites will like all show up in that aggregated feed. So I'm actually putting these principles into practice with this platform. And then there'll be paid tiers for like actually building your own website, building your own um, aggregation, like social media platforms, things like that but it'll be free at the base level. So anyways, yeah, dreamsleepthink.org slash magic to um, sign up for that. And then yeah, I'll uh, I'll read through the comments and make some posts in the thread in the magic media community.
0: it has been so good. That was uh, that was a full two hours. You're getting applause here, Andy. Add applause, sound effects. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Um, Hello, Andy. Yeah so much ground covered in in two hours that was that was really really awesome and informative and i mean i can attest like the the process that we're going through right now uh with the re the brand upgrade with magic media like so much of what you're talking about we've been applying in in the process so it's it's really cool to see this um for everybody here right now and watching in the future, the, um, the conversation where you can post your questions, I should have it up within 24 hours. So just keep your questions handy. I, I wouldn't recommend asking them in the actual event space. Um, wait until the post is made uh, and ask your questions there so that we can have a consistent thread on where all the, the Q&A will happen for this. Um, Got it. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to see more of your classes come out. Uh, it's about time. You get back in the teacher throne and do this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm going to be creating like a lot of courses and templates and just all sorts of tools and useful things for people to, to build out their platforms.
0: Amazing. Um, Well, thank you everybody for taking a couple hours out of your day to come to the workshop. Uh, Please share feedback and uh, we'll be doing this again soon. And Andy, again, thanks for doing this. And I'm looking forward to getting into DreamSync and seeing what magic you made there. Thanks for tuning in to today's Making Magic podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review. And if you didn't, remember, treat each other how you want to be treated. I invite you to come check out our Magic Media membership at magicmedia.com. That's M-A-J-I-K media.com. Our affordable, all-inclusive membership offers everything a purpose-driven creator could need to produce your educational content, engaging courses, and thriving online communities. The membership includes all of our premium courses, bi-monthly mastermind group coaching, and an inspiring, supportive community of fun-loving, dedicated entrepreneurs and creators to make magic on the internet with. See you there and tune in next time.